When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. Welcome to episode 267 of the Sports Yak episode. Oh, you mean the Michael Jack Schmidt episode. <laughs> I love how you said his name. Well, that's because that's how the old Philadelphia Phillies announcer Harry Callis used to say it. Harry would be right down here in the voice register and he'd say, stepping to the plate, Michael Jack Schmidt. Now, you might say, well, Chuck... Mike Schmidt had a lot more than 267 home runs, and you'd be right. He had 548, but his career batting average was 267, <laughs> and so we dedicate this episode of The Yak to the Cub Killer, Phillies third baseman, Michael Jack Schmidt. He hit that home run, and everybody gets a case of Tasty Cakes. Oh, wow. A case. Uh, some some <laughs> lucky winner would get a case of Tasty Cakes. Yes. You know, being with you on this podcast is a lot like getting a case of Tasty Cakes. Is it like uh, a Drake's coffee cake? Though? No. No, because that's more Seinfeldian. Uh, it's more <laughs> almost Canadian because of Drake the performer. Oh, I see what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Tastes like bacon. Sports Yak Podcast, here's the premise. One of us knows a lot about sports, the other doesn't. You can play the at-home version today where you figure out which one's which. <laughs> <laughs> Family Broadcasting Corporation, in association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network, presents Sports Yak. One host knows sports, and who's right there? the other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here. And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever. Long time no talk. Yes, it's been a week. There's been some things happening behind the scenes, scheduling conflicts, but we are back in what they call the air chair, ready to rock and roll. Let's start with college football rankings. This looked like it got under your skin this morning. Well, the playoff rankings did, not because of the top four. I don't think anybody was surprised that that stayed the same. It's still Alabama, Notre Dame, Clemson, and Ohio State. <clears throat> and honestly, unless Northwestern knocks off Ohio State or Florida somehow knocks off Alabama, I think those four teams are going to be in the playoffs now, whether it's in that order or not come Sunday, we'll see. However, what's behind there just 
rankles me. And the problem is Indiana. Indiana is 6-1. and one. The AP puts them number seven. The coaches poll puts them number seven. The college football playoff committee. And I don't know if these people watch games or what they're thinking or what they're doing. Has IU behind four two-loss teams. Now, I understand just because you've lost once and other teams have lost twice doesn't necessarily mean those other teams aren't better than you. I get it. But let's start with number six, Iowa State. They lost to the second-place team in the Sun Belt Conference. They lost to Louisiana, not LSU, which is bad this year, too. They lost to Louisiana, and you're telling me that's the sixth-best team in the country and that Iowa State's better than IU? And I know some people have said, well, you know, IU doesn't have its starting quarterback anymore. Michael Penix is hurt. Well, Jack Plummer came in and took him on the road and beat Wisconsin. Jack Plummer's a four-star quarterback, too. Jack Plummer can play. And unfortunately, we're not going to see IU play anymore this year during the regular season because of COVID. They've been off the last two weeks because they have 28 positive tests within the program. Wow. But Iowa State's ranked ahead of IU. Florida, which looked like garbage against LSU last Saturday. You know, we hear all about Kyle Trask. and Oh, Kyle Trask is a Heisman candidate. Kyle Trask made three turnovers in the first half. But Florida plays in the SEC. Georgia plays in the SEC. So they must be really good because the SEC is God's gift to college football, apparently. Well, I'm telling you right now, other than Alabama, I don't think there's that great a team in the SEC. Texas A&M might be good. We don't know. They got blown out by Alabama. And that's the problem with this season, Corey, is because you don't have cross-conference play. You don't know what conference is good and what conference isn't. Now, I will grant you, when you look at Indiana's 6-1 and one record, perhaps deceiving, they have not beaten a lot of teams with winning records. Wisconsin was probably their best win. Penn State wound up not being any stinking good this year. And you can say the same thing about Ohio State. We've made the same argument about Ohio State. Who have they beaten that's any good? Why is Ohio State at 5-0 better than USC at 5-0? Or better than Coastal Carolina at 9-0? It, a lot of it has to do with reputation. And that seems to be what the committee is basing it on. The committee is going with brand over what I see on my TV screen. Layman's terms, am I going to watch a college playoff game that has an Indiana in it as opposed to a better-known team across the country? Right. Ratings, money. Now, Indiana, I think, will still get to a New Year's Six Bowl. I still think they're going to be playing in the Fiesta Bowl against the winner of the USC-Oregon game from Friday night. Okay. So I think they're still going to get a prime slot, but the fact that they've been pushed so far down by the college playoff committee to 11, when everybody else who watches college football, the people who do it for a living in the media, 
The coaches who should have some idea of who's good and who isn't puts them at number seven really makes me question the makeup of this committee. And you're talking about who's sitting on this committee. Yeah. Alliances, allegiances. Uh, To me, there's too much of an SEC flavor. If you're looking at the SEC and you think that they have four of the best eight teams in the country right now, what makes Florida any stinking good? What makes Georgia any good? I mean, there's athletes there, there's talent there, but they're not playing like it. Yeah. I was really looking forward to this Battle of the Oaken Bucket. It's been canceled for a second time per Chuck's uh, uh, previous statement about Indiana. Uh, Does Purdue, uh, are they dealing with COVID issues? Purdue's got COVID issues, too. I think it's it's pretty similar to Indiana. Indiana has 28 positive cases within the program. So I, I don't know what steps, you know, we're not that close to Bloomington or West Lafayette to know what steps Jeff Brom and Tom Allen have taken in their program to try to keep people separate. I know up here in South Bend, Notre Dame has every one of its players living alone so that if one of them tests positive, and one did this week, it tries to reduce the contact tracing that has to happen and reduce the spread. And Notre Dame's been successful in that since adapting some measures after that breakout in late September. Now, I don't know if that's the case in West Lafayette or Bloomington, but clearly something's wrong in the measures that they're taking because 28 cases is a pretty good spread. Now, I will grant you, they're they're all going to recover and they're all going to be fine. But if you're trying to keep the virus from spreading, you've got to do some other things. And so, unfortunately, IU didn't get a chance to do anything in the last two weeks to enhance its standing with the playoff committee. Mm. And the same thing, Michigan Michigan was off the whole month of December. I mean, they were supposed to have big games the 5th, the 12th, the 19th. All gone. So their game with Iowa is off the boards this week as well. Let's switch gears just a little bit. Talk about National Signing Day on a positive note. Pretty good day for this area. One of the better days that I can recall in terms of Division One athletes and, and the number of kids going D1. Nice. Uh, the, the, biggest, the biggest name, the biggest get, is Rodney McGraw of Elkhart, their defensive end, going to Penn State. Remember, he originally committed to IU. IU had some turnover in its staff. So Rodney McGraw, who had been recruited by certain members of the IU staff who had left, decided to reopen his commitment, really struck a a good chord with James Franklin, the head coach at Penn State. And so he is going to be a Nittany Lion and go to Penn State. And the thing about Rodney McGraw is he comes from some fairly rough circumstances in Elkhart. And so he has had to put a lot of time in, not only on the field at his craft and football, but a lot of time in academically to get his game up there where he is going to be eligible and a viable student at Penn State. And so hats off to him 
for the investment that he has made in his future and the dividend that he reaps today in being able to go to Penn State. Bright future. Yes, That's absolutely. Terrific. And in dealing with him, I have seen him grow up so much between his sophomore and senior year. So kudos to Josh Shattuck and defensive coordinators Cody French and Trayvon Curry over in Elkhart because they've had to do a lot of work with that young man to get him to where he is today. Uh, also from Elkhart, Tyron Mason, their outstanding receiver, heads to Western Michigan. He's one of two local play, actually three local players going to Western Michigan. Uh, Tyson Lee from South Bend Riley will go there as well. And John Hofer, who is an outstanding uh, offensive lineman for Valparaiso, is on his way to Kalamazoo as well. So pretty good pickup there for the Broncos here in northern Indiana. Another Valpo player, All-State defensive end Cooper Jones, headed to IU. He could be a he could be a factor for them for the next four years. He is a, a standout player. His dad, Eric, was a defensive tackle at the University of Notre Dame. I've seen Cooper play at Valparaiso. He is a formidable force, and he's very athletic. He's one of the top players on their basketball team as well. And then a young man from Penn, Eric Meeks, is going to be a member of the Thundering Herd at Marshall. I believe he might be the first local player to go play for the Thundering Herd, which is located in Huntington, West Virginia. Is there anyone that uh, is not on that list that you thought should be that made an announcement? Is there anybody that maybe some colleges overlooked that well, is pretty amazing this, here locally? This is the early signing day. Okay. So there will be another one in February. Uh, Derek Woods, the running back from Elkhart, somebody should be picking up. Now, some people might think that he is too small for the college game. I would respectfully disagree. I think that he showed a lot of durability this year for Elkhart as their number one running back. He certainly has the speed. He scored over 30 touchdowns this year, and many of them in electrifying fashion. I know the coaches at Western Michigan were high on Derek Woods. Remember, part of the problem with the pandemic is the NCAA has said everybody this year of eligibility does not count against anybody. So everybody that's currently on a college roster is eligible to come back. Now, some won't. A lot of seniors will graduate and they say, I'm done with college. Maybe I can't go to the NFL, but I, I'm done. Obviously, some players will want to leave early for the NFL draft. But what coaches are looking at right now is a glut of scholarships that they have. Revenue has decreased for colleges, so bringing in more people is kind of a tricky situation right now for colleges, and especially colleges like a Western Michigan, okay? You know, they don't have tons of revenue anyway. They don't have the revenue stream that a Big Ten or an ACC school has. Mm -hmm. So... To make a college athletic program work in Kalamazoo is a real balancing act. And I'm sure they would have liked to have gone after Derek Woods because he's Tyron Mason's best friend. You know, that would be a great opportunity for the two of them to thrive together. They haven't, and Derek Woods is still out there. And to me, he's probably the biggest name in the area that in my eyes could go D1 at a at a Mid-America Conference school, but has not yet. Okay. 
Well, we'll keep an eye on that. And you said the next signing day is in February? Yes, uh, early February. Okay. You want to shift gears to college basketball? Let's, because there's a couple of big games of local interest tonight. We'll start with one that we have on Pulse FM, our radio station, 103.1. We'll have Purdue taking on number 20 Ohio State in the Big Ten opener. Purdue has been a maddening team to watch. Uh, I believe their record is 4-2 and two right now. And you could really make a case for them being 5-1. and one. They could have had, had a big lead against Miami at halftime and blew it. Bounce back with an okay performance against Indiana State. They're waiting for Jaden Ivey to get back. Ivey apparently has practiced this week, some with the Boilermakers. I don't know if he'll be ready to go tonight. Maybe he's ready to go by Saturday when Purdue plays Notre Dame on 103.1 FM. But as it is, Purdue's going to have a challenge against this Ohio State team, which many of us saw play Notre Dame uh, a week or so ago. Very athletic team. Uh, The Buckeyes move the ball up and down the floor. Purdue has not shown the ability to play at that kind of pace yet. Maybe they will when Hunter and Ivy are both healthy, but they haven't shown it yet. So it's going to be a contrast in tempos and styles tonight between the Buckeyes and the Boilermakers. That's a 7 o'clock tip-off on 103.1 FM. 9 o'clock tonight, here's Notre Dame. They beat Kentucky over the weekend, built a huge halftime lead, and then nearly kissed it all goodbye in the second half. That was rough to watch. It was. <laughs> and I told everybody, if you follow me on Twitter, I told you what was going to happen in the second half. I saw it. I shot you a Grinch. And, well, maybe I was the Grinch, but I called it as I saw it. Yeah, you were right. And it was on the nose. So here's Notre Dame. They're th- Two and two, they got a win over Kentucky in Rupp Arena, something the program has never done. Can you build off of that? Can you come home and open the ACC season against a Duke team? And this is not, Christian Leitner ain't walking through that door, okay? Zion Williamson ain't walking through that door tonight. This is a beatable Duke team, as has been shown. So can you do it? On your home court, Notre Dame, can you actually take another step to show that you're a program that belongs this year? Or is Duke going to come in here and win an ACC game and get their season off to a great start? We'll find out tonight. It's a late tip-off. It's a 9 o'clock tip-off because of TV. It's on ESPN. Now, the Irish may get an extra weapon to play with. The NCAA is expected to this afternoon to say immediately all transfers are eligible to play. Typically, when you transfer from one school to another, you have to sit out a year. But because of the COVID pandemic, all these coaches are saying, we need as many bodies as we can have. Sure, sure. So, for instance, Miami tonight, which plays Pittsburgh, is expected to have six scholarship players available because of COVID. Wow. I'm sure they would like some extra bodies. Well, Notre Dame's got a pretty good transfer from Santa Clara by the name of Trey Wirtz, who would help them immediately because, let's face it, Mike Bray's team has about as much depth as a mud puddle. And they've got to get some more bodies out there. Wirtz would help this team 
immediately. And he could be a difference maker when the Irish take on Duke tonight. So look for him to be on the floor tonight. And if he is, what kind of difference does that make for this Notre Dame team? <laughs> Sorry, I I had an Uncle Buck moment. I saw Trey Wirtz, then I went Wirtz, Wirtz and all. Okay. I was trying to make a joke. It, it, it didn't turn out the way I thought it would. Uh, it never does. High school basketball <laughs> last night. Let's talk about last night. Yeah, last night, the biggest game of the night, this was a really weird situation over at Southman Riley. So Northridge was supposed to play Southman Riley last night. Okay. Northridge takes the bus over from Middlebury. They are at Riley. The JV team is warming up on the floor. The varsity has had the shoot around. JV team is warming up on the floor. We can't play. Well, why not? So Angola played Northridge on Saturday night. Angola finds out Tuesday that they have the COVID. And so Northridge has to go into contact tracing and quarantine when Angola finds out that they have the COVID. So this is like an email or a phone call into the Appar- locker room? Apparently. Wow. And so, 6.20, get on the bus, guys. We're going back home. And now Northridge, which is one of the better teams in the area and considered the premier team in the Northern Lakes Conference this year, has to sit for a couple of weeks because of quarantine. So that was disappointing because that was a game that a lot of people were looking forward to. Instead, the best game last night from a competitive standpoint was Clay and Goshen. A pair of teams that have really struggled early out of the gate. Neither team had a win. Clay had a 10-point lead in the third quarter, and Goshen's backcourt of Drew Hogan and Quinn Bechtel rally the Red Hawks, and they wind up winning in overtime 56-53 to get a little boost of confidence before they go into the NLC season. And actually, their NLC opener was supposed to be against Northridge Saturday night. That won't happen, and so the Red Hawks will wind up playing Fairfield on Tuesday. Meanwhile, other boys' winners last night, Bremen beat LaVille. Uh, keep an eye on the Bremen Lions. They have a very strong junior class. They have an interesting NIC game with Penn on Friday night that should be... Something to watch. Uh, Keep an eye on this Bremen squad. And, of course, Penn, off to a pretty nice start. They've got a kid named Marcus Burton who's scoring over 20 points a game. So you've got Penn, the Goliath of the conference, against Bremen, the smallest team in the conference, Friday night. Keep an eye on that one. Other winners last night, Lakeland won its third straight. Northwood, not really much of a surprise. They beat Jimtown 62-48. Oregon Davis playing well right now. Triton got a victory last night as well. Girls' side, the the best game of the night was Penn and Northridge. Northridge, while they are not in the top 10, they play as strong a girls' basketball schedule as anybody you'll want to see. And they gave Penn all they could handle at the Madhouse in Middlebury last night. Penn wound up getting 14 points from Caitlin Costner, key three-pointer from Jordan Smith at the end of the third quarter to give him some cushion. And Penn winds up winning that game 52-45. to So 
The second-ranked Lady Kingsmen have tested themselves early in the season here, and it seems to be paying off for Christy Ulrich's team. Other girls' winners last night, Adams, Mishawaka, Goshen. Goshen is 6-1. and one. They've got a player named Bryn Shoup Hill who's going to go to the University of Dayton next year. Goshen plays Northridge Friday night in a key Northern Lakes Conference game. Warsaw won on the road last night. Fairfield and West Noble also get girls' wins. Why don't we wrap up the sports part of the sports yak with some NBA news. One of my favorite players, Antetokounmpo. Giannis got paid, and in a big-time way. He wanted to stay in Milwaukee, and he will. He gets a five-year extension from the Bucks for the maximum contract that he could. $228 million over the next five years. Let me do the math on that and carry the two, and that's going to wind up being $45.6 million a year on average over the next five years. My 13-year-old was waiting to tell me this news when I got home yesterday, and I told him what uh, our good friend uh, Tom Noy said on a few episodes back. Yes. This is the contract you get excited about, not the rookie coming out of the right. draft. This this is what we talk about and go, ooh and, and how did he earn this? Well, by being the reigning two-time back-to-back MVP and also by being only the third player in NBA history to be the MVP and defensive player of the year in the same season. Giannis. All right. Uh, I would like to uh, for you to consider 2021 a new segment on the podcast I'm toying with the title, The Peak Moment. Okay. The Peak Moment. Here's where it originated from. Bruce Springsteen, whom I love, was on Saturday Night Live on Saturday night. That's when it airs. The whole E Street Band. They come out of the gate with a, a decent song, which I've heard on the new record, Little Pitchy. Little Pitchy and singing, the saxophone player, little off on the old uh, the woodwind there. And I thought... What would be his peak moment? I mean, he's still making music. He's still decent. There were some flaws in that performance, but if he had to draw a line in the sand, what is Bruce Springsteen's peak moment of his career? Dancing with Courtney Cox. (laughs) Those rock music videos work pretty well. But would it be Born in the USA? So that's, that's the ballpark I would give you. That album is the peak moment. Okay. You see where I'm getting at there? Yeah. So what what is each artist or each athlete? We could go artist, athlete. We could do year, decade. Yeah. Sure. We could do a particular movie. We could do a particular show, a show run. I thought you might get a kick out of that. A show run would be good because, let's face it, the, the whole term jump the shark came from a website that tried to do just that. They yeah. tried to analyze when each show jump the shark and it was based on a happy days episode when Fonzie goes water skiing and jumps a shark and they said that was pretty much when happy days said check please i would almost say jump the shark equals pooping the bed yeah it does but i would say our peak moment is here is that pivotal seminal moment of the career right that either made them who they are or the rest has kind of been downhill right you know i think a- a athlete Angle will be good for something like that. So that's what we're toying with. I'd like to toy with in 2021. All right. All right. 
Do you still want to do overrated, underrated? Oh, absolutely. Fleetwood Mac. Oh, man. They are not the Fleetwood Mac that they used to be while they're still, well, pre-pandemic. They were still out there. They went and got the guy from Crowded House mm-hmm. and Tom Petty's right-hand man, and they're doing Fleetwood Mac stuff. But you know what? Do you remember the morning they made an announcement they were touring again, and they played on the Today Show, and we watched yeah. it? It sounded horrible. And yes. that is a pivotal moment of like, am I going to go buy a $400 concert ticket to see that? But body of work? Body of work is what we've always gone with. I, I would agree that today there's no way i would pay to see fleetwood mac today i think they are uh fantastic i think their body of work is awesome to this day i want to go right down the middle with them i would still say overrated overrated i just think and i was listening to a little stevie nicks rihanna coming in today mm-hmm. um i just and I know, I know Tusk is like a, just a terrific album, but I just think overall the body of work, I think they kind of lived off some of the stuff that they did in the late 70s for so, so long mm-hmm. that I just don't know that I can say that they they live up to the reputation that they have. Okay. At least in my mind. Mm-hmm. I will disagree with you. I think oh, they're right I, down the middle. And, and I appreciate the fact that you do. And that's, yeah. we wouldn't want to agree on everything on this show. No. That would be very boring. Stevie Nicks, though, how old is she? Ask your phone how old Stevie Nicks is. How old is Stevie Nicks? Over 70. And uh, Siri is going into the files. So she says, be right. oh, 72. She still got it. Yeah. I, I watched a yeah. show of hers online uh, a couple months back, and still, I mean, she's an acquired taste. I will say that. I would agree. But, man, she can still sing and belt it out and, and hit the notes. Yeah. So. No, I, I mean, look. I and she's think, still pretty. Yeah. And the amazing thing is, I mean, based on the reputation that we have on Fleetwood Mac and what we what we know about them. Yeah. Uh, the fact that she's still functional at 72 is amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would agree with you. Quite a checkered past, that band. <laughs> exactly. Do you have somebody to bring? I didn't bring anybody. I'm sorry. Oh, my gosh. Show prep. Come on. Bon Jovi. Overrated. So overrated. They are. That slippery one wet, wet record was massive. New Jersey was okay, but. I mean, like, if you hear him sing today, and you can go do that online, he has lost his fast pitch. Yeah. It's not good. Now, I love what he's done as a philanthropist, humanitarian. Right. The guy is... We're, we're not talking about, are they good people? Yeah. But body of work, they are a one-album band, in my opinion. Overrated. I will give them a little more credit than you will, but I will still say they're overrated, and here's why they were ruined for me. Charlie Weiss. The fact that he was just so in love with them. Yeah. And piped them into all the practices and things. And so now when I hear Bon Jovi, I immediately register it with that era of Notre Dame football and my stomach turns. 
there's there's stuff of urban legend happening in South Bend with Bon Jovi. Like I've heard recently, like oh yeah, he bought property here. He loves footballs well, in the fall in South Bend. Yeah, well, his son was a walk-on in Nerding. Yeah, so I hear I hear like there's maybe still a house here. I don't know. And again, I I agree with you. I think he's a good dude. Yeah, I really do. Um, that said, no. There was a there was a trying to reinvent themselves with a country record. Yeah, a that, handful of years ago. That that you know what was that? Not good. But he's, that's what it was. It I mean, was he's put good. out three records in the recent years that nobody even knows about. It's just like, eh. can I bring this full circle for you? Bon Jovi is the Florida of artists. <laughs> Back to your SEC uh, soapbox, yeah. huh? Yeah. Oh, you're, you're oh it's Bon Jovi. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's nice, but so are house plants. Yeah. Here, here here's a, an equation. Could Bon Jovi fill Notre Dame Stadium? No. No? Not today. If tickets were $10, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Was Billy Joel going to fill Notre Dame Stadium? Now no. He was going with reduced attendance, too. Yeah. No. No. Nope. You know, and wouldn't you put Billy Joel above Bon Jovi in terms of artists who could Again, you're talking about a guy in his 70s, though, right? I saw him three years ago at Wrigley Field. He's got the skills. No, he's still got it. I'm not saying that Billy Joel isn't good, and if somebody gave me a ticket, I would go. I'm not going at the price Billy Joel wants me to go at. Now, you remember this. I think you'd remember this. One of our artists, the station we work for, had signed papers for us to have them on a summer show and turned us down to go tour Europe with Bon Jovi. Right. And I've heard stories since then of that was a mistake. I could have told him that. Yeah. Why didn't they ask me? You were on the phone. No, I would have told them, <laughs> you know what Bon Jovi is? He's the Florida. Florida. <laughs> hey, if you'd like to leave a review, it's always great to get some feedback on what you think about this program. I was lamenting the other day on a comment that was made a year ago about this podcast. I wonder if Elkhart Dan still listens. I have no idea. What did he say? He gave us a wonderful five-star review. He's not much of a podcast fan, but he liked the premise. One guy knowing sports, the other guy not knowing a thing. Wonder if he could figure out during this episode which was which. Probably. Probably. Hit the subscribe button so you never (laughs) miss an episode because you just never know when we might record one. Until next time, Yak fans. Oogalooga, Michael Jack Schmidt. <laughs> We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sport Jack. Sport Jack. Sport Jack is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.